0: Hello, Hellcats. Welcome back to Ew, That's Creepy. We have a new theme for a new week. In this episode, we are talking about real-life stories of amnesia. Today, Jackie is going to tell us the tale of Hannah Up, a woman living with dissociative fugue disorder who has mysteriously disappeared. Please take a second to view Hannah's photos and repost if you are able. What's up, creepy cats? Welcome back to another episode of Ooh, that's creepy. Woo! It's finally October. We are pumped. And today, Jackie's going to tell a story that's a little bit different.
1: Yes, today we, well, I guess this week we are going to be talking about amnesia stories, which is still kind of creepy, I'd say.
0: Amnesia is like, to me, very creepy, but it's like, it's very Days of Our Lives, it's very television, and it's like, you never actually hear real stories of amnesia. I feel like it's always just yeah. something dramatic on TV, which, let me, I meant to tell you, I walked uh, by the TV at the gym the other day, and there was some Days of Our Lives or drama on or something, and this woman threw another woman across the room and turned around, and her eyes were literally red. I was like, is this another oh possession God. or something? Because she it's demonic. October. over. I don't know, but I meant to tell you that.
1: I like when they do. They make them, they do that outrageous stuff. I know.
0: This is basically these stories are like two uh, creepy Days of Our Lives episodes.
1: But I also want to tell them because it is like you don't hear a lot of real time stories about it, and I'm sure it's like obviously really hard to deal with. And it's I feel like people kind of make fun of it a lot, and it's not actually funny. Obviously, yeah. Especially- it's very serious and concerning.
0: Especially because a lot of stories that I was looking into said that it was caused by stress. So it's like, okay, this can actually happen to anyone. Yeah. And when you think about it, this is kind of your worst fear if you have a really happy life with a happy family. So I totally agree. To me, this is creepy as hell.
1: <laughs> yeah, and my story kind of, like, confirms just the craziness of, like, amnesia in general. It's kind of a decently known story. It's the story of Hannah Up. Okay, I remember the name. It was in the news like um, a lot. Okay, so we'll talk about why, but so we'll just do a little background on Hannah. She was a very, very, very kind person. That is like what everybody says. Uh, she had a lot of friends being interviewed by newspapers and all that stuff throughout the years. And a lot of them just said that she was one of those people who lit up the room and was really close to a lot of people and was just very, very trusting and caring. As a child, she grew up very much in the church. She uh, grew up in Japanese-American churches in Oregon, where her parents served as pastors. Is she Japanese? Both of her parents are American, but her mom, Barbara, Taught in Japan and is fluent in Japanese. Oh, that is so cool. Right? That is super cool. And when she was young, um, her parents, like, what they believed was kind of different than what she believed. Uh, Her dad was very man of the book, and he even said that, like, her dad is very, very religious, but, I mean, that's fine, but... Hannah wasn't completely on board with everything, like, their views on homosexuality and stuff like that, so I think Hannah was just very, very deeply caring, like, the type who wasn't gonna...
0: Open-minded.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. So, Barbara actually filed for divorce from Hannah's dad when Hannah was 15, and he ended up moving abroad and taught the gospel in indigenous tribes in places like Fiji, Guam, Malta, India, Zimbabwe, and the Philippines, and, like, other places, which is really cool.
0: That's sad for her, though, being 15 and having your parents get divorced and your dad just, like, traveling around the world. I'm sure that was hard.
1: That was hard, but Hannah actually did a lot of traveling with her dad. She would often visit him, like, wherever he was, and they would go do cool stuff. So I think it was hard, but it was also probably got her immersed in some cultures, which would be cool, too, I guess. Okay. So, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, any divorce is hard, but she did, that was one thing her dad and her did, was she traveled a lot with him. Okay. So, bonding through, traveling. Mm-hmm. And in 2007, Barbara, Hannah's mom, um, took a leave from her position as a pastor and moved to a little, like, Quaker town outside of Philadelphia. And she went to Bryn Mawr, and she joined, like, a Christian fellowship, Evangelical Campus Ministry, so, you know, continuing her church and religious stuff on into school. But she didn't make, like, a lot of friends, and she made one friend who was Hindu, who I think she, like... Just, you know, her and Hannah had some heart-to-hearts and Hannah got really upset and started to cry at some of the stuff that um, her friend asked her, you know, because of her religion. So, everyone is basically just saying that she was so loving and open-hearted and she just was the most caring, caring person in the world. She sounds so compassionate and sweet. I want a friend like her. I know, right? I agree. She's very, very, very sweet. So, in September 2008... Hannah was actually a middle school teacher at Thurgood Marshall Academy, which was a public school in Harlem. But she hadn't shown up for the first day of school, which was obviously very concerning. Her roommate had found her wallet, her passport, her metro card, and her cell phone in her purse, which was on the floor in her bedroom.
0: Oh no, that's
1: not good. Yeah, so clearly that's, like, uh, your worst nightmare. But two weeks after her disappearance, someone had actually seen her at the Apple store in, like, Manhattan in some place. I don't know. But the, at the Apple store. And it was a one of her former classmates. And they had seen posters about her going missing and had obviously recognized the posters since he knew her. What? So he saw her at the Apple store... And he approached her and said, are you Hannah up? And she was like, no. And he was like, aren't you missing? He's like, like I, I can you. see the
0: picture across on the wall right now. <laughs> yeah. Of your face.
1: I don't think it was that much. But, but yeah, but he well, he was like, I know you. And she was just said no. And she walked away. Did she?
0: Use, I'm assuming she didn't say I'm this person or give a name.
1: No. She just said no, I'm not. And walked away. Wow. So... The, that classmate and then she walked out of the Apple store and that classmate called the police obviously because he knew and a detective called Hannah's mother and said you need to come to Harlem and you need to see the Apple store surveillance footage because it, they had footage of it
0: yeah confirm that it is her
1: yep and so barbara did she watched uh hannah she was wearing a sports bra running shorts and had her hair pulled into a high ponytail and she came into the store and i guess went into the staircase in the store and they saw a guy stop her and ask her stuff and yeah she confirmed that it was hannah wow and Barbara, her mom, said that she could see her, like, like she just said it was her, and she could basically tell it was kind of acting like her, but not super acting like her. Yeah. And another camera in the store had actually captured Hannah using one of the laptops to log into her Google account, which... She looked at the screen for a couple seconds before walking away.
0: So, how could she have remembered her Google account and not have known who she
1: was? Like, girl, we're going to talk about this a lot. But, uh, so, (laughs) the sightings and all this stuff, even though it was worrying, her friends were pretty happy and excited because they're like, at least, you know, she's alive somewhere. Yeah, and she's safe. yeah, Yeah, kind of. She's at least. Trying to log on to her Google account. And then two days after she was seen at the Apple store, she was also spotted at a Starbucks in Soho. And somebody, people called the police then, but she actually ran out the back door.
0: What the hell is going on?
1: (laughs) Police have recorded sightings of her, two at uh, New York sports clubs in Midtown, she was using the, she used to go to the gym at, like, one of these faculties, and so they actually figured out that she had been going to the the old gym that she used to shower, and even though she didn't have her ID, she remembered her gym number and was able to give it to the front desk person, who was able to confirm that it was her.
0: What?
1: This is crazy. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty. So, on September 16th, this was 20 days after she'd gone missing, the captain of a Staten Island ferry boat saw a woman's body bobbing in the water near Robin's Reef, which is a rocky, like, place with a lighthouse south of the Statute of Liberty. Oh, no. Two of the people on board steered a rescue boat towards the body, which was floating face down, and they kind of just, just thought that the person was dead. And they lifted her ankles, and they picked up her shoulders, and she took a gasp of air and began crying.
0: What? Yeah. What the hell (laughs) is going on in this
1: story? This seriously is like Days of Our Lives. This story is wild. So, the woman was taken to Richmond University Medical Center on Staten Island, and for three weeks, um, her own biography, she... Was just unsure that whole time she had been missing, but when staff when they asked her questions, she suddenly did remember. She was like, "Yeah, I am Hannah." She was. Finally she told them able. that she was. Yeah, and she actually gave them her mom's phone number, what and her the mom hell? came for three weeks. She was just like, "I don't know where." Yeah, but then somehow when they finally did take her to the hospital, she snapped out of it completely and told, yeah, her mom was able to come. Her dad was living in India at the time. They called him. And she does have a brother. Uh, He was in the Navy, and he's stationed in Japan. So I think the only, like, family she had close was her mom, but her mom arrived pretty quickly. This is so
0: strange. She's like, hey, mom, I just needed some space.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Barbara said that Hannah looked sunburned and pale and literally like she had been, like, in the water and pulled by a boat for three weeks. But she said the first thing that Hannah said when she saw her was, why am I wet? Like, she had had almost not memory of being in the water.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: She was treated for hypothermia, dehydration, and severe sunburn on the left side of her body. So she was just really floating out in the water for some time. Yeah, but she did, I mean, improve pretty quickly. Wow. Yeah. And one of her, uh, her roommate at the time, his name was Manuel Ramirez, said that when he went in there, she was like, I hope they release me soon because I have to set up my classroom. So she obviously did not realize that three weeks had passed From the time that she went missing and school started. Oh my gosh. I feel bad for her. Yeah, so police did end up interviewing Hannah privately. Uh, Barbara said she stood outside the room and could just hear Hannah trying to, like, make... Like, trying to come up with whatever she could, but she just really didn't have any explanation or memory. She said her last memory was she was taking... Uh, a little run in Riverside Park near her apartment the day she went missing. And that was the last thing she remembered.
0: Wow. Well, okay.
1: Yep. And Barbara said that one night when she was sleeping next to Hannah in the hospital, that Hannah jolted awake and said, I was at a lighthouse, but then immediately went back to sleep. And when she asked Hannah about it the next morning, she said she didn't have any memory of it. What? So they did transfer Hannah to a psychiatric unit, um, run by Columbia University Medical Center, where she underwent a lot of, like, different brain imaging tests and stuff like that, but doctors really didn't see any, like, neurological conditions that would have caused her to just up and forget her identity. Right. So they concluded that it was some sort of psychological episode in nature In that, like, when she had been lifted from the water, she somehow was able to, like, snap back. But they just weren't sure. But they did diagnose it with um, dissociative fugue, which is a rare condition that people lose access to their autobiographical memory and identity. And they can occasionally adopt new ones or may abruptly, like, embark on a long journey. Like, feel like they kind of just need to run. I just don't understand how she was able to log in
0: with her email at the Apple store. Because it's, like, how I'm assuming it had to have, like, her name in it or an H or something. Maybe it didn't, but it's just...
1: Well, it's, like, one of the things, basically, about the dissociative thing is that well they say it can be it's like typically triggered by some sort of trauma Mm -hmm. and actually one of the traumas it can be is an exposure to a natural disaster which i thought was kind of interesting what yeah literally or just like any sort of physical abuse or just something that's traumatic for you or it says by an unbearable internal conflict which i think is really interesting Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of, like, studies on this, so if you want to look it up, it is, like, pretty cool to read the stuff on it. But I think one of the, I'm pretty sure one of the other traits with this is that it's almost like your subconscious can remember parts about your life, but you don't, like, I don't know, you're, like, dissociated from who you are. So, I'm sure she could just put it in almost like a reflex, but wasn't actually thinking, like, this is what I'm doing, you know? Okay, gotcha. So, Hannah was hypnotized to see if she could recall anything, like, even about a traumatic event that could have triggered this fugue. But she couldn't remember anything, really. And Hannah and everyone in her family, her mom, her Uh, brother, her dad, all said that she didn't really endure any sort of trauma when she was a kid. So everyone, yeah, was asking her, like, do you think it was something when you went running, like a hit and run, something like that that caused it? But she couldn't remember. She just said that the beginning of the year was always like a stressful time for her, as I'm sure it is for many teachers and stuff, but nothing like too chaotic.
0: Maybe she was, like, running and thinking about all the things that she had to do before the first day of school, and maybe she got so stressed out and, like, in a tizzy that something happened, and then she couldn't remember who she was.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of cases of people who this has literally happened to there were just so many interesting ones just about people who really have and who have traveled like across the world and some have realized who they are literally 20 years later. They just snap back and feel out of place and somehow realize that they've been in a fog and like remember stuff about their past life. So I highly recommend looking it up. And this is actually called like the Jason Bourne disease because I think it's like that movie. So it's, that movie is based off like, this disease. Yeah. so I just
0: want to know, too, how she got in the water.
1: Because that is, like... Well, we'll... girl, we're going to talk about it. Oh, my we're gosh. We're going to talk about it all. <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah. But if you want to look at more stuff, I highly recommend. There are so many stories about it. But Hannah did actually... This obviously took a toll on her because it, it made the news. And she didn't even consider, like, changing her identity. But... She was like, I'm not going to run away from who I am. So, I'm sure it was really tough for her. She thought it may have begun, like, two days before when she slept in her apartment and just, like, was alone and hadn't communicated with anybody. Like, maybe the fact of just being in kind of that phase where you're not with anyone. Okay. Okay. Her bank records show that she had gone to a movie in Times Square, but she had no, like, she had no recollection of seeing it. And during the weeks that she was, like, wandering, her family thinks that she understood on some level that people were looking for her and was actually trying to, like, not be found. Like, probably not realize it's people who loved her, but just felt like A feeling Uh, of being hunted or, like, being followed.
0: Yeah, like, she, maybe she probably realized I'm Hannah up, but she didn't remember being that person and didn't know, obviously, if any of these people were her family or,
1: oh my gosh, this is crazy. Well, something, listen to this, this is really interesting. So, a few months before her disappearance, Hannah and a friend had gone to a meeting for... Um, a group that tries to minimize consumption of resources. And they visited different grocery stores and collected, like, discarded food. And so they think that Hannah remembered what she learned on the tour, like, about eating good food from stores that, uh, throw it away the next day, even though it's still good. They think that somehow she, like, remembered that, remembered those memories and was able to live off that off of, like, the couple, three weeks that she was just surviving. Oh, my goodness. Wow, she's like, it's like a modern-day scavenger
0: out in the woods, but you're in the city.
1: Yeah, and so when they met, her brother Dan met with the captain of the Staten Island Ferry, and they analyzed the currents in the Hudson River, and they assumed that Hannah must have entered the river in the lower Manhattan area before the tide took her south, and so she had just somehow, like, floated there
0: okay
1: and hannah did when they took her to walk around this area she said it felt somewhat familiar and she could remember lights floating on the water and dan learned that there had been a japanese floating lantern ceremony on that pier on september 11th to honor the victims of 9-11 so that could have been like the lights that were floating on the water from the lantern ceremony
0: Uh well how the hell did she get in the water still this
1: is crazy. Well, based on the condition of her body, her family thinks that she had been at the lantern ceremony and three days later that, um, I don't know, she felt like she, she went to the lantern ceremony, wandered away, and then when people kept looking for her, felt like she had to go back there because it was like familiar uh-huh. and then had somehow spent the night in the river when she was found the next day. Oh, my gosh. This is all just, like, I can't
0: wrap my head around any of this happening or any of this just being... I feel so bad for her.
1: Yeah. So, they also can... Hannah vaguely remembered, like, holding onto a barge. So, they think that she either, like, swam, eventually swam to Robin's reef, or eventually just, like, washed up there. Wow. She had, like, scrapes on her knees and stuff from the rocks. And, yeah, she said, Hannah said that it was all, like, really, really tough on her. And a lot of people were, like, analyzing her and basically making her feel, like, kind of some type of way about her mental health. And, like, she was, like, crazy or something like that. Or I'm sure there were people who don't believe her. Yeah, exactly. And there were. There were obviously people who thought that she was making it up or exaggerating or stuff like that. So a little a year after her appearance, disappearance, Hannah left New York and joined her mom in Petal Hill. Where's that? uh, Outside of Philadelphia. So in 2013, uh, she had been working at Petal Hill for three years and she was then hired as a teaching assistant at Montessori School for Underserved Children in Kensington, Maryland. Uh, It was a school by Maria Montessori, and it was all about, like, helping, saving humanity and stuff that Hannah was really called to. So, it was September uh, around school starting, and on the morning of her first day of class in September of 2013, Barbara got a phone call from the police they told her that Hannah's purse, wallet, and cell phone had been found on a wooded path in Kensington, and a colleague said that she. they reported seeing her driving to school, but they saw Hannah walking in the wrong direction from school.
0: Girl, no, no, no.
1: So Hannah's, no. <laughs> Hannah's mom and her friends drive to Petal Hill, Maryland, or er, from Petal Hill to Maryland, Looking for her in the woods and all that stuff. They found out she hadn't slept in her apartment the night before. And she hadn't, like, really talked to anybody in the past 24 hours. And the next day at 1030, Barbara got a phone call from a number she didn't recognize. And all the person said was, Mom? No! It was Hannah. I'm gonna cry. Okay, so this time Hannah had actually found herself, woken up herself in a dirty creek in a residential area in Wheaton, Maryland, which was a mile and a half from her school, and there was a shopping cart beside her. Why is she like going to bodies of water when this is happening? This is all
0: so strange, and it clearly has to do with Like, the first day before a big event. Because it was before before the first day of school. Again, before
1: school, yeah. So, they said that this time, like, Hannah, the second she, I guess... She instantly knew, though, that she was Hannah. And this time, she went up, like, she walked to some sort of area and borrowed a stranger's phone and called her mom. And said, yeah, it basically happened again.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And she also reviewed the text messages she'd sent the day she disappeared. And she could see... It's sad. Her and her mom say they could see like the transition where she was just sending texts that were like she didn't remember, and they didn't seem like her. Oh
0: my gosh, this is making me so sad because like I couldn't imagine being Hannah and, and having being this like, happen. What the
1: hell? Like and what you can't is control happening it? to me? Yeah.
0: It is really sad. It
1: is. It's tough. Like...
0: She, like, needs to, I'm sorry, have someone... She needs to live with her mom, probably, and live with someone and have someone be kind of watching her.
1: Yeah. So, tough. It's really tough. In my opinion. Yeah, there are a lot of similarities between it, but uh, Hannah returned to her job within a few days. But the following year, she was actually hired as a teaching assistant for preschoolers at another Montessori school in St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, she did disclose, like, her condition to the administrators at the school, but they were very warm and accepting, and they were like, that's okay. And Hannah actually told her friends that she was moving to Paradise, and she was very, very excited. Um... So, in 2017, around this time now, she's, like, living in St. Thomas. Things are getting better. She's been a teacher. She had moved to the east end of St. Thomas, away from the docks, like, where cruise ships and all those people, you know, come in all the time, and she could see the British Virgin Islands from her apartment, and she just loved it. And the head of the school that she was working at said that she was an amazing teacher. Everybody loved her, obviously. She was thriving. They said that if they needed, like, if they took parents on a tour of the, um, school, they would take her to Hannah's classroom to show it off because she was just amazing. That's so cute. Yep. And after she had been teaching for a year, the school paid her to take classes in Portland, Oregon, so that she could eventually become certified and, like, lead her own class and stuff like that. Um,
0: Wow.
1: So she was doing great. Uh... She did, like, keep up with her religion and stuff like that. Uh, She got really into swimming, and she went swimming in the ocean nearly every single day, and she became a really strong swimmer, and she just found solace in the water. But sadly, in September 2017, it was, like, hurricane season for the Caribbean, and St. Thomas got hit really, really bad by Hurricane Irma, and word got out that there was another hurricane, I think Hurricane Maria, right afterwards. So there were a lot of people trying to evacuate and stuff. And all of her, Hannah and her roommates were all huddled like in the laundry room of their apartment. Things were getting crazy winds of 85 miles an hour. It was shattering their um, windows in uh, their apartment. That's horrifying. Yeah. And they said during this time that, um, and like, okay, after that, yeah, they said obviously that was a super stressful time. After that, Hannah was preparing her classroom and all that stuff and helping prepare the school for the second storm. And coworkers did say that they started noticing that she was acting very quiet and complacent. And usually when she helped out, she was like, her bubbly self but one of her friends that she said that the whole time like anything she said was just like yes yes like she was just like following directions no. oh my gosh oh my gosh yeah so six days after the storm Hannah drove to an ex-boyfriend's house and saw that his stuff was gone and learned that um, he had like rushed off the island and she didn't get a chance to say goodbye so I think she was a little sad about that but a couple of days later, Hannah's roommates told her that they were all trying to leave the island as well, and they asked Hannah to come, but she said she was staying, and her heart was, like, on the island where the school was. So at that point, she remembered who she was? Probably. Yeah, so at this point, you know, I think, like, at the time, like, she's kind of going in and out. Like, I think they probably just thought the stress of the storms was really freaking her out. But on September 14th, Hannah's roommates saw her get up and go uh, leave the house around 8 a.m. They did think it was a little earlier than she usually left the house, but they assumed she was just going to work on some stuff to help out the school. Um, But they said no one after that had really heard from her, and... One of her friends, she had actually not really told her friends about her fugue, so they weren't aware of the warning signs, and um, she did, like, she went missing again. Um, Her friends ended up calling her mom, who told her, or like, I think her family, who told her about the fugues, and then her friends kind of realized, like, yeah, this is basically what has happened again, yeah. So, they had the idea, though, to try to go to Hannah's favorite beach, which was Sapphire Beach, where she would often snorkel because they were like, if she's drawn to water, that's where she's likely to go. So, they're, like, really trying to act on it. Smart. Near the water, they do, there's a little small bar where they serve hamburgers and mimosas and stuff, and on a stool, they find Hannah's sundress, her sandals, and her car keys. (gasps) And workers said that they had discovered the belongings in the sand when they were clearing debris from the storm. And Hannah's car was in the parking lot, and it had her purse, wallet, passport, and cell phone inside. So, Hannah was obviously a really strong swimmer, so her friends thought that she could survive a couple days in the water. But boats searched the shoreline and all that stuff around and sent helicopters and... They, like, checked all the people who evacuated on ships, the names of them. Her name wasn't on anything. They didn't find anything. And after three days of searching, they suddenly had to call off the search because Hurricane Maria was coming in. And they had to, like, shut down everything again for storm number two.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so
1: upset. Like, (sighs) yeah. Uh, Her family was just trying to think of what could have happened they were like hoping somehow maybe she came back to new york but they just didn't think that that was obviously a possibility Mm -hmm. they knew there were like communities in the bush and the islands like around they said that there were people who lived in the surrounded communities who said they even though the island's small they said that it's such small little villages that you could live on the island and not know anybody else or anything like that But they said that it was also really possible because Hannah also spoke Spanish that she could have went to, like, by boat to Puerto Rico or St. Croix or Miami, somewhere around like that, uh, without an ID and just somehow got integrated into the community and displaced with the people. So they really just at this point, like, don't know. It's just strange because her
0: fugue states weren't that long. It's just so strange that she would be able to go across a country and across seas and then go to another country and then not remember and be able to call her mom or someone again.
1: Yeah, but so people on the island had said that people had drowned and stuff in the water and stuff like that before and their bodies wash up. So they were really kind of thinking that locals believe that she, if she had swam out there And just swam, her body would have washed up. So they don't really think that that's what happened. So her mom kind of thinks it's a possibility that she's such a helping, caring person that maybe she just saw something, someone in need of help, and just went with that, like in some sort of way. So Barbara obviously knew that she had to get down there though, and went to St. Thomas, like she just knew mm -hmm. Um, They kept, like, searching around the waters and stuff like that. She asked the Red Cross if she can volunteer at St. Thomas, do work in exchange for a bed, because she didn't want to, like, take up resources because there were hurricanes and stuff. Oh, my gosh. This is so tragic. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so Barbara had arrived on the island on November 21st, that was 2 months after the dis- Hannah disappeared but i'm sure that's because after like literally two rounds of hurricanes i don't even think you'd be able to travel down there any quicker right um she was pretty optimistic she would drive Hannah's car around the island and just kind of like go to places that Hannah had went and just kind of, like, yeah, living to see if maybe Hannah would go to one of these places or something like that. Just to see, like, anything.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, she talked to her friends, did everything like that. Tried to get an understanding of her last interactions with people and stuff like that. She... So, this is a pretty interesting story. Barbara actually said that at one point in her life, after she had gotten divorced... She was going through a really rough time and she was taking some sort of medication that actually made her experience some sort of foggy states In that she, at one point, had just started driving south on the highway for no reason and found herself beside a river. And she said she remembers feeling comfort like by being by the river Which I think is so, like, such an interesting thing that Hannah basically does, like, the same thing.
0: Yeah. Wow. This is very strange. This whole story is very strange and and sad.
1: Yeah. On January 23rd, there was some hope because two different caseworkers at the Bethlehem House Shelter for the Homeless in downtown St. Thomas said that they thought they'd saw Hannah um, at an abandoned building where there had been like some drug activity not by hannah Mm -hmm. so barbara and a detective actually went there to you know look around and all that stuff and they saw a woman and the detective really thought it was her but barbara looked at the woman and knew it wasn't hannah sadly Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um yeah i'm I'm assuming i'm assuming they had they spoke to that woman and confirmed that it was not yeah, I mean, they talked to her. They said, yeah, it just wasn't. <laughs> like, Barbara could just tell it wasn't her. That's horrible. But the woman also understood and was just like, yeah, I mean, I'm really sorry and I hope you find her and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> very,
1: very sad. Um, Her mom, her, both of her parents, like, her mom says she just feels her presence sometime around. Like, she does just have a feeling that... Um, she's there somewhere, and that she's still alive. Um, two of her friends, they think that Barbara, like, might just stay on the island forever. I don't know if Barbara is still there, to be honest. Or if she has moved back to, like, the States. I'm not really sure. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But she obviously goes, I think, goes through times where it's really, really tough, but also does... Have hope that yeah, like either Hannah will be found somewhere, or that she will at least someday kind of like snap out of it and remember her identity. Because that is one thing I will say with a lot of these famous cases about this disease is that it is not uncommon. The one thing I notice is that I run a lot more stories with guys than girls who had this disease, but a lot of them are not even disease. This like psychological state whatever it is but a lot of them it would be like 15 20 30 years where they would snap back and just remember crap I'm not this person
0: that is crazy I do hope that one day she will remember it like
1: after years or soon it's really sad and the New Yorker did a really amazing article on this whole story. There's a lot more of just little details, but you know, for brevity, I didn't want to just keep going on and on. Just tell the whole, you know, the details. But it is just super sad because I think if the hurricane wouldn't have been going on, they could have gotten a lot more information. But it's just back to back like stuff going on, but it just I it's don't such know. it's bad it timing for everything. Yeah, because if she could speak Spanish, she fully could be living in another country, living a life that people don't necessarily know about, just helping people. But if you keep... I just think people should literally tell the story all over the world and just keep showing her picture because somebody could just think, like, oh, I know a really kind person who speaks English and Spanish and looks like that. Maybe it was the stress of the hurricane. I think it's definitely, that's what happened the second time was, it was September once again, which, oh, I meant to say, one of her friends said actually around that time when they had asked, you know, like, I think they had said, like, what's wrong, and she said, I don't really like fall. Like, she never told them about her state, but she would say, I I don't really like fall, which is so sad, because I'm sure that whole time was just stressful in general. With school starting, with having that condition, and with the hurricanes, I'm sure it was just, like, too much. That was tragic. It is really, really sad. I really do think, though, that she could be out there, hopefully living at least a good life as she is. And I just hope that people, yeah, keep telling this story and do find her. One thing I found very kind of uh, disheartening with them, one of the articles I was reading the comments below were really just, like, making fun of it and kind of saying that she might have done this for attention and just done it to go, like, go off on her own life. People, some people weren't even taking it seriously and just being like, oh, this is me every weekend when I'm drunk, just not even being kind. It was really rude, like, Even though it's there's no confirmed that she's dead or anything like that, like she's missing and her family misses her dearly every day. Like that is not something at all to And they have to live with
0: and they have to live with wondering if she's missing and all that stuff. Like that's nothing to joke about and if she was making all of this up for attention, that wouldn't make any sense because she moved away from town the first time it happened because of all the attention she got. So, yeah. Like, she's, that literally is why she took another job and moved, so that doesn't even make sense. If she wanted the attention, she could have stayed in her hometown and got it. Yeah,
1: and she literally considered changing her name because of all of this. So anyone who says that, get out of here with that. And then anyone who's rude, like, just take it seriously. It's very sad.
0: And you shouldn't joke. This is me after drinking. Like, what? You can go missing and bet you after drinking. Get your life together.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just don't joke about it. It's not funny. It's really sad. No, it's not. It really isn't. Yeah, but I do have faith and I really hope that someday this case can be solved. I really think it can. And yeah, I'm sad, but I really think it can be solved. I think so too.
0: I always have faith. Damn, that was a sad story. Sorry. It's crazy though. It does really make you wonder.
1: Yeah, and you just have to like keep spreading the word, you know, Mm -hmm. keep trying to find answers.
0: Well, let us know what you guys think. Let us know if you guys have heard this story or if you're like, what, fug, amnesia, I've never heard of that in the real life and stuff. Let us know what you guys think. And that story
1: was crazy. Yeah. I'm glad you liked it. Um, Thank you guys for listening. I hope you all are having a good October. And it's spooky season, so I hope you all are thriving like we are. And we will see you guys on the next episode. Yay. Thank you for listening. We love you. Bye.
0: Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.